This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. But that didn't last very long because I had to leave Kenya. So let's talk about you leaving. Like, what was that decision about? My, um, my career in advertising was doing pretty well. I'd worked on some pretty big campaigns by that point. I'd even won a couple of awards which was still like it was cool it was not expected that someone who was a copywriter and hadn't been a copywriter that long would be getting all these accolades so i was doing pretty well at ogilvy but i still needed i felt like i needed an education in advertising because i thought again advertising is what i'm going to be doing for the rest of my life from now on so how about we go and um, and get some education so I used to call acting my craft and I used to call advertising my trade. <laughs> I have a trade and a craft. <laughs> it sounded so pretentious when I think about it now. Uh, but um, I wanted to go to school and I had the chance. I had the chance, I had the time. I wasn't getting any younger and I was like, yo, I'm in my late twenties. I might as well and go do, I might as well go do it now because who knows what's gonna happen from this point on. So I identified a university. I was going to be going to Syracuse University in June of 2007. And so I remember the last major gig that I emceed was TSO, 2006. Yeah. Totally sold out. And that's when I got to hang out with you and a few other people. The one and at Bapo? No, no. At, not the one at Parkland's Baptist. Uh, no. Oh, it was at, um, it was on Gong Road. Oh, um, Nairobi Chapel. It was Chapel, yeah, Chapel yeah. Gong Road. And um, we filled an entire, from starting from 10 p.m. all the way up to 5 a.m. Yep. And it was act after act after act after act after act. And we had everyone on that stage from Mission Driven to Hip Hop to Dana Seda to Jemima Diongo to Zaidi Amziki, to Daddy Owen. All these acts just coming on. There was a reggae group. Heart and soul. Heart and soul. Oh my God. All to Kiki. All these acts just up and onto that stage and off and on that stage and off. So is this now your first time in the MC world? Yeah, on a, on a big stage here. Yeah. That was the first time I was actually MC. So, and the K country. crew was the first time that now you began to explore your MC side. Yeah, and and if I had not left the country, I'd still probably still been a part of K crew to this day. Yeah. Still, maybe I don't know. My life, would, I think, would have taken a different direction. But in June 2017, after having had a pretty decent run in advertising, having tried to do as much as I could with acting, I was like. Yeah, I think it's time. And I, at this point, had been serving quite a bit at Nairobi Baptist Church. I'd become acquainted with all this new talent that was coming out. I was trying to mentor young dudes. Um, and then it was time to go. And in June 2017, I left um, and went to the US. 
became a student there. Coffee break. <laughs> <laughs> Coffee break. Let's when do we, it. <laughs> when we come back, let's now enter the, um, the, the, that story. Sure. The USA experience. Because yep. there's some crazy stories in there. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Welcome to... <laughs> Let me hit that record. Part 15, part 20. Hey guys, 21. welcome to episode 102. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'll say, this oh, is probably, this boy. is without a doubt the longest conversation that I've had on the Playhouse, but I am loving every single step of it because it's such an amazing journey of progress. A lot of people see, uh, I had one of, one, somebody who I know who loves to say, people see the glory but never get to know the story. Mm. On the Playhouse, you see the story to the glory. Mm. Quotable. <laughs> I've been shooting Mugashi. I think we've been shooting for like six hours. Oh my god. Yeah, if, if not even more. But the story is amazing. So anyway, uh, all I'll just say is if you're catching us here, do yourself a favor and catch us from the first episode. So Mugash, Unenda Maju, you're going up. Yeah. As, as, as Kenyans like to say. Yes, yes, yes. You're off to the US of A to better your skills in advertising. In advertising. <laughs> Very shocking. Take so it. I was going there to do my masters. I left in 2007 June. Arrived. It was um, mid June, mid mid late June, middle of the summer. Uh, and yeah, I was going to a pretty reputable school on partial scholarship um, to study advertising, which I was quite excited about. It was a one-year course, and I can summarize the studies in this way. Syracuse is a good school. The particular college that I was going to, SI Newhouse School of Public Communications, mm -hmm. was also a really good school. Um, and it was a communications college within you know, Syracuse University. There was 15 of us in the advertising unit. Uh, two Kenyans, a bunch of Americans, a couple of Chinese people. I can't, for the life of me, remember the other nationalities. Yeah. But it was, we were assured pretty much that once after we had joined that, oh, you guys are the cream, man. You guys are, you guys are the shit. In fact, people are going to be stumbling over themselves to hire you in a year. So, you know, come, show up, do the hard work, and then start to make your job applications when we're about three quarter way in. And you should be good. By next, this time next year, you'll probably be working your advertising jobs in various places around the U.S. Made it. Yeah. That's what I imagined. <laughs> so the plan was I was going to be done with school and then probably stick around for a couple of years, work at an ad agency in New York if I was lucky and then come back to Kenya after a few years having gained experience and then probably try and take, up the, take, take over the industry here from that point. That was the plan. Uh, God was just LOLing while he was watching. <laughs> Just, yeah, just. <laughs> yeah, LOL. So, <laughs> so, uh, in a year's time, when I was coming to the end of the studies, after having survived a pretty, like a cool summer into a brutal winter into another really nice summer, um, when we were barely days, like just, I think probably one, two days. It was like true theatrical cinematic fashion. We're done with our studies. And then this big bank slash investment company called Lehman Brothers shut down. 
and the DAO just dropped and suddenly it was official America's economy is in the toilet we're in the middle of a recession things are bad 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 at this point I was still making applications at some certain ad agencies there's one in particular which to which we'd obviously taken a mutual liking and this agency happened to be Ogilvy in New York mm. and I had attended three interviews the third interview ended up being the best one because it seemed I was asking most of the questions and it seemed oh it looks like I'm going to be hired by this agency it looks like yeah I was going to be working in the client service department and I was going to be working on an account called Six Flags. Six Flags is this line of theme parks. Very popular theme parks. Hey, but like I said, God was Did you even knew where you were going to be working? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I said, I'd attended like three interviews. The last interview was pretty much the final one. It did seem like there was pretty much no doubt that I was going to be hired. The only thing I was waiting for was an offer letter. And the reason why I knew they were considering hiring me was uh, I received an email from the liaison. Now, because I was an international student, I had to go through two liaisons. The HR person and someone who was dealing with like international. Because mm. it was a big, I mean, Ogilvy New York is huge, huge, huge. So I received an email. And it says, hi Mugambi, thank you. You know, we really um, put on a, a good couple of interviews and we uh, really wanted to go on to the next step. But unfortunately, oh my God. Um, as you know, we're in the middle of a recession and therefore a lot of clients are not going to be spending as much money over in the, in the next few months. And uh, we're going to have to institute a hiring fees. It was, this was in our decision. It was a decision of our parent company, which was WPP. But Ogilvy New York pretty much said they're not going to be hiring any new people for the next few months. And I'll never forget how the email said something like, something to the, ex- something to the effect of, this is going to blow over soon and then we'll be back to business as usual and then we'll give you a call. And all of us imagined this was going to blow over quickly. This was in July, July of, oh July of 2008. And you know how the story went. Even two years later, they still went out of that recession. So needless to say, I didn't get hired by this agency. And I didn't get hired by any other agency. And a lot of the students in this class, graduating class, didn't find the jobs they wanted. And things didn't turn out as they want, as, as we thought they would. So here I am in this difficult situation where I had prepared myself for a job I prepared myself for to, a life for a life in the US and suddenly I have to move out of this student apartment because the next school year is about to begin uh, the school year beginning in September so I had to have vacated my apartment by the end of August yeah no by around mid-August and I remember not being ready to leave and not having a place to go so God bless my landlady who said listen i know what your situation is like so this is what you will do the stuff that's in that apartment that that's yours pack it up into boxes i'll store it for you the stuff that you can carry carry with you and i'll put you up in a in another house that has other people who've moved in 
but because all the bedrooms are occupied and this was the kind of house where people would uh, occupy bedrooms like there's a lot that happens a lot in in the states someone will take a an apartment building or a actual full standing house and then apportion rooms in the in the in the buildings mm. in the in the in the room mm. and the, and those and those become individual apartments so i was living in a really pretty nice studio apartment where it was you know bed little kitchen area bathroom area and that was my entire board i liked it i didn't mind it at all but now i moved and i moved into a living room where i was sleeping on the couch and all my belongings were there and if i wanted to brush my teeth i'd retrieve it from the suitcase and then you know if i needed any clothing i'd have to retrieve it from the suitcase a day before because i didn't have an iron now and i had to put them up so they wouldn't get creased and all i had was my two suitcases my laptop a living a living room couch and that's it that was hard those were hard days dude they were hard days because you're like now what how long can i stay here how long am i going to stay on this couch what's going to happen what's going to happen about 6 months before that in january in the heart of the tough winter my friend nick who you might remember as the, the guy that i met the barefoot muzungu had now moved to america with his wife newly married whose name is monica obaga who's the daughter of um was a daughter of Obaga Mr Obaga who was uh, uh the music who for director a was a Kijiji artist who Monica oh yeah. yeah Monica actually worked with Kijiji for a bit yeah so they just moved to America and they were living in um, they, they 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 landed and because they landed in the middle of the winter they wanted to go west to where it was warmer and then find their way back east and then settle somewhere so by this point they had settled in Philadelphia and Nick and I would be in touch and I told him what was happening and I told him yo dude it looks like I'm not going to get a job and now I'm living in this house where I live in a living room and um, I have to share a bathroom with other people and I feel like I'm building on this space and it's strange and how how are you eating you find a way i mean it's america it's america you'd find ways it's it's a campus in america so you can find cheap places to eat how did you have money ah um remember i was on partial scholarship so i'd saved up a bit of money uh-huh. and then i was also receiving a little bit of support from my folks but it was just a little bit it wasn't okay. much so uh, at the point oh well there are the bit of belongings that i had in this living room was a laundry basket it was one of the things i'd bought So the last thing that I was moving with was my laundry basket. And I remember walking as the sun was going down because I'd been moving and it's in the middle of the summer so the sun is going down at about 8:30 p.m. So it's about 8 and the sky is starting turning, turning all these colors and I'm walking with this thing that's a bit heavy because there was some clothes in there. And I sat in this living room and I was like, "Yo, man, this can't be my life." Like I've jumped from one house. Oh yeah, there was another house I jumped into in the middle. And I I I, I had to clean my house, move out of that because someone was going to move in. And the landlady was like, "Move to this other place, but you can only be there for about 2 or 3 days and then you're going to have to clean up there and then move to this living room. And then from the living room you'll figure out what to do." 
And she was good. She was friendly. Oh, she was wonderful. At, I mean, at least you didn't have to pay rent for that. No, 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 no. She was very, no, was very, very kind wonderful. Of very kind, very kind person. Really kind person. The reason why we struck up a friendship real quick was because she was from Trinidad and Tobago. And I had visited Trinidad and Tobago a couple of times. So I told her, oh gosh, you know, my dad works there and I've visited. And we sort of struck a bit of a friendship from that point. A wonderful, wonderful lady, wherever she is. Yeah, wherever you are, man, God bless you, man. Like that lady was amazing. So Nick gives me a call and he's like, oh, listen, we have a spare room in our apartment. Why don't you come and stay with us for a couple of weeks when you get on your feet? Because, you know, this thing is going to end. You'll find a job. But before that happens, for a few, few weeks that you need to settle down. Because, again, <laughs> we thought this was going to blow over. Come and stay with us. And um, we're, tired of eating, we're tired of eating cereal. You know, we both cook, but we eat cereal at night because we don't have a person to cook for. So come and stay with us and we'll figure this thing out together. And I was like, Nick, thank you. Thank you so much. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to put the rest of my stuff in storage and then I'll have a suitcase because it'll be, I'll be with you for a couple of weeks and we can sort this thing out. And he was like, hey, Mugash, you know how I like to travel. I hate being in one place for a long time. And I've been here all summer and I'm starting to feel claustrophobic. So let me make the drive out there with my van. We'll throw your stuff into my van. You don't have to put anything into storage. Come, you'll store it here. And I'm like, dude, man, that's really kind of you. You don't have to do it. And he was like, it's no worries. So when do we do it? And I said, day after tomorrow. <laughs> day after tomorrow, he was there, parked. We packed the things into his van and drove to Philly. And this was in September, August, September of 2008. Summer was slowly coming to an end. Fall was starting to show up and... The rest of that year, it was sending CVs, getting turned down, not hearing back from people, coming this close to getting a job, having things fall through. And I remember a country was trying to figure out where it was at. A Kenyan in this country was trying to figure out where he, where he was at. Nick and Monica were trying to figure out where, where they were at. Everything was all, all just so strange. Like, what's going on? So in January, I was like, man, <laughs> we're done, you know, this is not working. I'm going to try and be an actor again. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. And I remember a country was trying to figure out where it was at. A Kenyan in this country was trying to figure out where he, where he was at. Nick and Monica were trying to figure out where, where they were at. Everything was all, all just so strange. Like, what's going on? So in January... I was like, man, <laughs> we're done, you know, this is not working. I'm going to try and be an actor again. Nick, meanwhile, was trying to get his acting off the ground and he was enjoying a little level of success, getting a couple of roles that we went to watch him in, in theatre. <laughs> 
Oh, the, the name's Max Slaughter, dude. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, yeah, not you. Now, when you uh, well, here in Kenya, uh, I work for the Peace Corps. But, yeah, but here, Hapa Mimini Mwalimu, Hapa Kajongo Primary, Kajiado. Kajiado. Now, I'm going to quote him, Namo Tare Saba. The Kugani to Kakutu Kesehi. Sorry. Tare Saba. Oh, yeah, no, I remember that, dude. Um, okay, Ilikua, um, Mwanafunzi Wengine, Anaitwa Janet Alexander. Yeah. sana. Na Ilikua, Kama Masiku Tatu Hivi, Na Haja, Haja Kwenda Class. Na Huyu, Haja, Haja Hata Sana, Madarasa. Dio? Yeah, Kwa Sababu Yeye Ni, she's, she's really bright, dude. Mwanafu Sana. Dio? So, Nilikua, Nili, uh, Nili Muliza, Mwanafunzi, Mwanafunzi Wengine. Janet Akoapi, Janet Akoapi. Waliniambi, that she had some problems at home. Kama wazazi wazazi wake, walitaka kumpeleka kwa mwanaume mzee na mwingine kama kama bibi. Ah, na si fikiri kwa sabu, waliniambi. And... He, get, he said, this is the process. You take your headshots, you attach those to a resume, and you go to any audition that you can. And the thing that works in America a little bit different is there you don't just show up for an audition. You, ha you, you hand in your headshot and your resume. So you take your headshot, which is a picture E4 size or letter size, and then you attach it to a paper back to back so that you glue or you staple your picture to the back of your CV. And then you go into an audition and you hand it out. Actually, it's possible I have Nick's. Um, this is why I like more guys, guys. This I, is the one. Ah, yeah, here's Nick's head, headshot. Gay, 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 gay. This is what? his headshot. <laughs> this thing. So this is how it works. This is Nick's headshot. This is my friend Nick. Um, I think he regrets taking this headshot because there's too much expression on it. You actually need to be a little bit neutral on your picture and then on the back of it is his resume what yeah so this is how you did before you were considered for any audition you handed in your headshot and your resume attached back to back this is a standard yeah so how crazy is that that you have the headshot yeah it's because he gave it to me as an example and he, he was actually quite pedantic about everything so he also had this little bit of this, I'm telling you, is a level that you go to as a struggling actor. He even went and added this. <laughs> and he created, he took a bunch of pictures, all of him, and he assigned a character oh, different. to each and every one of them. That is so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even with this, you'll still struggle to find the work, man. <laughs> oh, man. Oh my god, I'm actually going to take a picture of this and send it to him. That is insane. Yeah, so that was the case. So I went and I took my... Hold on. So, um... So I took my... I took my headshots. Um, you know, you have to save money to do that. Uh, but it was the middle of the winter. And what they don't tell you about winter is that your skin will look 
amazing in the middle of winter. That cold air gongas it. I don't know what it does to your skin. Your skin looks good. So it's all yellow, yellow and chillies go to stay in the winter like crazy. Oh no, but yo, it works for real. Winter does a lot. I'll even show you that picture I took of a headshot. I'll send it to you. <laughs> so I took my headshot and I put together a resume and I was like, I'm gonna try. I'll just give it a shot. What else can I do, man? I'll try and be an actor in Philly. And how you did it in Philly? First, you got onto networks that told you where auditions were happening. And remember how I said the first thing you do is you hand in that resume and you hand in the headshot, and then you get called for an audition based on whether on your resume and or you your hand headshot. In the, the headshot to the network. Yeah, to the casting agent, to the network, mm. to the playhouse, wherever it is that you are going for an audition. Okay. You hand it in or you send it on soft copy and then afterwards they will get in touch with you. Okay, okay. And to come for an audition. To come for an audition. Now you are eligible for an audition. Wow. Not for a role, an audition. So already getting an audition is a little victory on its own. Yeah. And so we celebrate and be like, I got an audition. It doesn't matter whether you get the role. We didn't re- we didn't rejoice about roles. Roles were good, but you re- rejoiced about the audition first, and then went in knowing whatever happens from here, it is not me. It is the Lord. This is out of my hands. So that happened a lot, and I ended up uh, in January of 2009 getting my first role as an extra. Hold on, now you've gotten a role. As an extra, it was like an extra in a Bollywood film that was never made. It never got out. It was a Bollywood film, a high-budget bu- Bollywood film that also had to film partly in in Philly. And Philly was the city in America that they were going to film in. And I played the role of someone walking on the street as a high chase, as a ch- chase was going, because he needed. To, to make cars look fast in movies, this is a trick I learned, to make cars, make it look from inside that a car is moving really fast, you have a bunch of extras outside walking in the opposite direction from the car. So the illusion is that the car is moving really quickly because everyone is walking in that direction. Usually you don't have people walking in the direction the car is going. Hmm. Look out for that the next time you watch a big budget film. So a car is coming this way, you're walking? And I'm walking this way. Okay. And that's all I did, just walked up and down. In the middle of the winter, over and over again it was rough and i remember we had to be on set at 5 30 in the morning or 6 in the morning and buses don't start moving then and nick had to help me out and he lent me his bike so that we could take a, i could bike to a place where the, the bus routes were working and then i had to attach the bike to the front of the bus and then go to another place and then get off and then ride the rest of the way for one day of shooting, that was gonna pay like 75 bucks, I think. But I needed the money, man. I really needed the money. So you, di- you did it. You just did it. You showed up and you, I, t- I woke up early in the morning, probably at four in the morning, got up and I was on set by the specified 5.36, had breakfast and then just walked up and down the street, up and down the street. Ah. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I was the shit. <laughs> in Nairobi <laughs> and now here I am walking up and down the street oh gosh oh jeez but then the check came in 
it then it found out we found out that the film had really overshot its budget so they could never really finish the film and the film was never finished uh but what do you do you put that on your resume and then you go for another audition and another audition or you hand in your thing again and again and again and again and again and again and i did it over and over again the next role i landed was in a small community theater play about it was a fictional play of course about uh the zombie apocalypse happening in shakespearean time when uh shakespeare was writing was it king richard the 4th i can't remember no one of his famous plays now the playwright of this film was actually pretty clever because people who are going to theater school then would really study shakespeare really study this guy was a huge fan of shakespeare and this young guy he was in his probably mid 30s wrote this play because he realized that the tone of shakespeare's work really changed between this the play and richard the 4th and you know i can't remember it was richard the 4th but the all the works before that and richard the 4th going forward was such a huge shift and his work became darker and more melancholic and it was like he had gone through a traumatic experience and he imagined to himself what if that traumatic experience was a zombie apocalypse upon the globe theater while he was in the middle of rehearsing for this next play so this play was called was called shakespeare's land of the dead and i played the role of a soldier who uh who's there to protect the queen and we show up and shakespeare's playhouse is the only safe place because the way a theater is built zombies can't infiltrate it too quickly um it was a pretty clever play i had the role of soldier number 2 and i'm like cheers man i had like two lines of dialogue cheers Are we getting paid at the end of this? Depends on our ticket earnings. Okay, something to put on my resume. Let's do it. We auditioned for we rehearsed for about 6 weeks. Put it on over the course of 2 weekends. This play was a hit. A hit. Zombies and Shakespeare. A hit. We had sold out Nini's pretty much from I think it ran for 3 weeks. Yeah, we from the week 2. It was pretty much sold out shows. People loved the show. So, the play made a little bit of money. I think we got paid 100 bucks, 80 bucks, I think. I can't remember. For that whole time. It was community theater, so we were going in not even expecting to be paid. Okay. Because the the name of community theater is that all the funding comes from ticket sales. Again. Nothing else. No one else is and they have to sure. pay for the rights, they have to pay for the venue, they have to pay for costumes, so the actors wages are the ones that end up being the last thing. We got paid something between 100 and 200 bucks, which was a lot of money for this theater. And soon I started discovering that there was a bit of a theater community in Philly and started making a few friends and spring started rolling around and it wasn't too bad and all the way up to the summer and into early fall. What are you doing? Acting. Acting. Doing whatever I can, finding whatever role I can. But of course it was hard. And I still needed to make money. And as much as Nick and Mo- as much as Nick and Mo- as much as Nick and Monica want were not putting any pressure on me to pay you rent, um I was like I really need to help you guys out because you guys are struggling as well. And everyone was out there just looking for work. So a breakthrough happened in the summer. I remember I was about to give up and then in the spring Did you f- decide to flip burgers at any moment? I came this close to. 
But you see, the, the thing is, uh, you have a social security number. Uh-huh. And you have, and attached to your social security number is the information that you went to school to study advertising. Uh-huh. And the system doesn't care if you're in the middle of a recession. If you're now ending up in doing work in the US that's not related to your area of study, it can be problematic. Uh, but by the time summer was rolling around, I was going to work at a Turkish restaurant. I was at, was it Turkish or Iranian? And I was going to be a waiter. I was going to be waiting stuff. And I was going to be paid under the table just so that, you know, everything remained anonymous. Yeah. Um, cash. Cash. Yeah, I was going to be paid cash so that everything, you know. I came really, I came this close, this close. And then um, the person who was going to be my... <laughs> gig my link to get into that job got fired <laughs> so suddenly this restaurant needed two people and i couldn't go there and say hey i want a job because this other dude was like Fuck that place don't even go and work there and it was like you're my friend so i guess i'm gonna have to listen to you dude ah <laughs> oh, man so yo things were thick man i mean i'm still applying for jobs at this point and still getting turned down so you're applying for the advertising jobs. Yes. Back you can turn down. You're doing the headshot acting. You're yeah, also hand, handing that. in headshots and waiting to get and called. And you're in. getting one or two for that. Yeah, it wasn't much. It wasn't much. Everyone was, and again, you know, even theaters was, was, was affected. So I would do odd little jobs. There was one job where I was house manager at a theater. And house manager means... If someone, it was a rent rental theater. It was like KNT. So if I was working yes. at KNT and someone was renting the KNT premises, I was given a brief about this is the bless you. Yeah. This is the gig they're doing, and then I'd be there to receive them. Welcome to the Painted Bride. I'm the house manager. What do you need? Uh, this is the ticketing place. If you want to move it there, I can do that for you. This is where the cleaning supplies are. If you need anything from me, I'm on the grounds. Just talk to me. So people would come and ask me questions, and then I'd help them out. Okay, dude. Let me let me say this, huh? Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know what the, I think. God put something in me to always just see the end picture. Mm-hmm. What can an actor tell you right now? You've experienced it all. In terms, <laughs> no, in terms of you being the director of this movie, when an extra comes to complain to you, you can be like, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I understand. Do yeah, you, I was there. You know, you've been... <laughs> I was walking up on street and, in the dead of winter. And you yourself can have empathy or understanding for extras because you've been there. Yeah. Absolutely. I, to the point where I know they're not called extras anymore. I'm sorry. I'm still trying to learn the vocabulary. They're background actors because extra is a bit of a demeaning term. I learned this a year ago. Um, ah, but yes, dude. you've been there. Um, oh I, yeah, to hold on, there's one breakthrough I forgot to mention. No, no, we are, we are getting, definitely getting there. I'm just blown away by your story. Dude, you are, not only were you an extra, but then you did odd jobs within the theatrical world. Yeah, I was working at two In two, the biggest theater. industry in oh, the world. I would not call it that. <laughs> no, 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 what I mean, no, like, listen, what market is bigger than America when it comes to Yeah, film? yeah. Philly was a much smaller market. No, but me, I'm talking but, about America as a whole. Uh, yeah. You know the way guys say I'm going to America to become Lupita Nyong'o? Oh, gosh. Yeah. But then, did you meet Lupita Nyong'o when you were there? I have a story about that. <laughs> you can't blame me. I have a story about that. Okay, go on, go on with your so, story. So, w- what, what was happening was, Philly, Philly was, I wasn't working in film as much. Philly was a small 
market, but it had a really thriving theater okay. sector. So I was working at two theaters, two small odd jobs where I was house manager. So a house manager in one. And then the other one was a high class theater where they would be like, we can't pay you, but we know you can't afford the ticket. So come and work one day and then come watch the show another day. So your earnings are a ticket to watch the show. And I was like, I want to watch quality theater, so I'll do it. So I was going, every time they had a show, I'd send an email saying I'm available on this day to watch. I'm available to work on this day and watch on this day. And I ended up watching some really, really good theater as a result of that. And that's how you, that's really much, that's, my, my story is not unique at all. This is how every actor in Philly was trying to get around. It's also the way a lot of Kenyans live abroad. It, it is. If they decide that they're going to be an engineer, for instance, I mean, they probably get a, lo- a lot of odd jobs in that sector. I was lucky enough to get jobs in be- that sector. Before the breakthrough. I mean, so this recession wasn't just happening in the theater, in the theater it world. It was across. It was across. across. So, in fact, I was doing better than a lot obviously of people. in theater than a lot of people were doing in their sectors, as much as it wasn't paying much. The, the, perhaps the biggest, best job I got was okay. So it's not the big, the breakthrough story. It's, it's. I wouldn't call it a breakthrough. It was just a good job. Okay. Yeah, because it really didn't lead to anything else. Okay. But what we did at that point, when you said I want to be an actor, you did, you attended what was called cattle calls. So there were a, two or three big casting agencies in Philly, and. What they did was every month, on a certain Monday of every month, they would open up what to do an open casting call. That was the nice name, but the more industry name was cattle call. Meaning even if a ngombe walks in, you know, it's like having ngombes, but even if a ngombe walked in, you'd cast it, you know, like you'd do it. So what you did was that you prepared a monologue. Again, you came with your headshot and resume, then you prepared a monologue you shot the monologue and then they had you on their bank in their bank so because i was african um that was an advantage but also a disadvantage uh the disadvantage obviously is that you're african so you're not african-american you're african mm-hmm. being african-american is already it's already hard to get work but i'm going in with this accent of mine i don't know what you are telling me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's this strange accent. I can't place it. Who are you? If this story is someone who was born in Iowa in 1976, why do you sound like this? I couldn't afford the services of a dialect coach. So again, I was like, whatever job I can get, I'll get. The first job I got as a result of that cattle call was an email. I, I remember an email saying, we're shooting a film. Uh, this is the name of the director and we're looking for actors to play background roles of district attorneys in a law firm. If you're available, say what days you're available, and then we'll show you what days. And because it was a big film, this is a Hollywood film, it was being shot over the course of a month and a half, I think, and while they were shooting in Philly, they were going to be hiring a lot of background actors. And how you do it is that every background actor is assigned their days. 
So you're assigned your days and then you're assigned uh, a link to an internet. And the internet is password protected, meaning you only access this website unless you have the password. And that website, the password is updated every day. Mm -hmm. And so only people with the password would know where the location is and what they needed to come dressed in. It's, it's, a, it's a really good system. Yeah. And then once you typed in your password, you came and you're like, come dressed like this, be at this place by this point. So fortunately now I was able to get there by train or sometimes because I had a driver's license by this point, I could borrow my roommate's car and they'd say, they'd lead you, they'd take you, there was no Google Maps at this point. Eh? Smartphones was still really not a thing. So you went and what you did was you went to Google Maps and you wrote the directions down or you sent a text with the address to Google and they sent you a text with all the directions on it. So it would be like a text with three threads telling you this is how you get to that place. And I was on that set for three days. And that is when I discovered that the director of this film, the film was called Law Abiding Citizen. The director was F. Gary Gray. He's done Straight Out of Compton. He's done Friday. He's done Set It Off. Is it on Fast He did Fast and Furious. No, no, no that's okay. John Singleton. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the stars of the film were Jimmy Fox and Gerard Butler. And I was like, this is pretty cool. But because they know how the tendency of, of, of um, actors to be in front of celebrities, part of the instructions you are given on this internet was any attempt to get in touch or try to speak to any of the actors will result in you getting fired immediately. So you can't go up to them, you can't solicit for anything. You can't ask for handshakes, you can't ask for autographs, you can't ask for hugs, you can't ask for pictures, you can't. That's grounds for dismissal immediately. Yeah. You only speak to them if they speak to you. You don't try and maintain eye contact or try and do these things to get their attention. And you in no way try in any way get in their way while they are acting. Because if I distract Jamie, and Jamie is like, oh see I'm calling him by his first name. If I distract Jamie Fox, and Jamie Fox is like, this dude is messing up my nini. Not only will I be fired from this gig, but I'll probably not be able to get any other gig because I'll be known as that troublesome actor who tried You'll to- You'll be blacklisted. Yeah, you pretty much get blacklisted. So <clears throat> I was on the set of Law Abiding Citizen for three days. And during those three days, I got to watch Jamie act a little bit. I got to see uh, Gerard Butler, got to see him, not meet him, but just see him. And the most I got out of Jamie Foxx was, sir, we're in the room and in between, Jamie Foxx is an entertainer for sure. He likes singing in between takes. He sings all the time. He's very, very confident, very, and very funny. He likes to do impressions. He likes to make people laugh. That's how he keeps the energy moving. Um, he's not insular. Other actors would be about like in between takes, they'll keep quiet or they'll go and sit somewhere or their assistant will come and would you like some coffee, some water, would you like something, you know, all right, um, there's your green room, just sit in there, just wait. Uh, but Jamie would just stay with us in the room and do impressions of people or tell us stories or sing for us. It was wonderful. What? Yeah. That Pretty is cool too guy. cool. <laughs> and and how, he, many, how many guys are you in the room at this moment? 20 maybe. 20 maybe yeah probably and he'd ask questions 
he'd make a conversation but again you can't speak to him unless he speaks to you first yeah. so he'd have to ask you a question for you to talk back yeah um and then that's when he would sort of invite you to have a conversation with him and some people had conversations with him and some didn't then um on another day of shooting Did you have you didn't have a line eh? your, your, I don't, no no like your background no, no you're okay. just background the whole time um and he cracked a joke and i remember laughing and he looked at me and he was like what's up and i was like hey and i was like that's pretty cool and then the director f gary gray we had a very brief conversation he was like what's your name and i'm like mugambi and he's like where you from and i'm like i'm from kenya and he's like how did you end up here and uh, i was like yeah you know recession i was looking for work and i don't so i did acting on the side and Yeah yeah and it's like cool cool and that was it Gerard Butler the only thing he said was sorry <laughs> to me because uh, again we're being very very respectful of his space and the sitting area for crew was downstairs and the shooting area was three floors up so all of us would have to be headed because they had people taking care of the extras making sure we don't go anywhere and end up where we're not supposed to be and we'd be counted One, two, three, four, five, six. Please come with me, and then we'd wait. If there was no crew and no stars in the elevator, then we could enter the elevator. So the director and Gerard Butler are talking, and I'm listening to Gerard Butler as he's talking. And I think it was the first AD, the first assistant director, asking him, "Yo, uh, Mr. Butler, you know, is there anything you want to do? You know, you're here." You've got time to kill. Is there anything you have to do? And he says, "Like, no, no, no. I'm here waiting for my dialect coach." because yeah, he has that drawl that accent and I'm like yo Chad Butler actually sounds like he does on on um on 300 was it no anyway he has this scottish irish i can't remember where he's from scotsman um so i'm listening to him talk on his in his natural accent talking about how he's waiting for his dialect coach and um it was so interesting That, that this guy is playing the role of an American and yeah he is in his very natural Scotsman and, and, and Gerard Butler is tall and he can pass you like you could you'd not notice him if he's dressed up in usual I thought he was a crew member but then when I see him talking to the director I'm like this guy seems to be talking to the director a lot and then and then when we got to the elevator all the extra stopped because we know we can't get into the elevator with the director and one of the leads so we stood there and there was they oh they were sort of blocking the way of the elevator and the elevator kept opening and closing and opening and closing and we were like we expected upstairs but here the here's the star and here's the director we can't ask them please go in we can't talk ahead of them all of us are observing protocol so he's there talking with F Gary Gray and then turns to us and sees all of us waiting and he's like oh i'm so sorry i'm so sorry and he moved out of the way and we got into the elevator and it's like these guys are just humans it's so usual and so normal it was so cool um that was special because i got to, to, to be on a hollywood set i got to make quite a bit of money for how much, days of how much are they paying for that like it was a sag job the screen actors guild how the whole thing about the screen actors guild works is screen actors guild is a union it's been established in the us to protect screen actors and it was established back in the day when the studios were really taking advantage of actors mm-hmm. getting them into contracts where they would would be like we'll get five or six movies out of you and not pay you much money yeah um 
or not give you breaks or that sort of thing. So SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, was formed to protect actors. And SAG takes its rules very seriously. So, for instance, one rule is that any union job has to fulfill a certain quota of SAG actors in it before they can go for non-SAG actors. So a film like Law Abiding Citizen probably would have to hire on any given day, let's say 50 extras. Uh -huh. And if you, can't find, if you can't find 50 extras in Philadelphia who have their Screen Actors Guild cards, you have to find them from another city, a neighboring city. So SAG then, because of the SAG rules, the producers of this movie have to go to a neighboring city, let's say, New York, which is two hours away, yeah. DC, which is three hours away, and be like, um, there's a screen project that's shooting in Philly. And because they have not reached their quota, we're reaching out to actors here, and they'd have to put up those SAG actors in hotels just to fulfill the quota. What? It's not like there's non-union actors who can't do the work. Yeah. We're there, but SAG has to protect its own. So they have to make sure that the circumstances under which non-union actors were hired was now dire. Like we had, we've reached the quota and now we're hiring non-union. So I was non-union. I couldn't join the union because if I joined the union, then that means I couldn't act in non-union jobs. And to act in non-union jobs like student films means that's how you build your body of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's a sort of catch-22. Yeah. But you can still show up and act for three days on a SAG um, project. And, and this was one that, of those three days. Yeah. So so I, I I was I needed my three days. If I wanted to join SAG now, I could. But of course I wouldn't because why? How? So I'm eligible to join SAG. And then you can actually put that on your resume and you say SAG eligible. So that just in case they're like, we like this dude, we're gonna give you a role, it's gonna be a speaking role, we'll sign the paperwork for you to join SAG then then. And some lucky people get to do that, but it's very rare. It's very, very rare. Um, so I ended up working for three days and because I was being treated as someone who was a member of the union, there were lots of perks, lots of perks. If shooting goes above a certain time, you get paid something on top. If lunch gets delayed by a certain time, you get money on top of that. If you oh weren't God. given your 15 minute break after an hour of work, more money on top of that. If you're in a smoke in a room where a smoke machine was nening, more money on top of that. Were you filming outdoors in the winter? More money on top of that. Oh that sort of man. thing. SAG really and there's provisions for this, all those rules. So the base pay is eighty dollars for eight hours of work. But I ended up getting paid an average of two hundred bucks every day. Because lunch was delayed or because we were filming outside or because we yeah. were filming in a room. All these things, all these and I still have my vouchers somewhere. They're somewhere. That's crazy. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. And I was like, I get to see how it works on these gigs. Whereas where what you're doing is just in the back sitting. Observing. Learning. Observing but 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 also acting. Mm -hmm. So you're an, you're, oh, an, yes, you're a background get, actor. Yes, so you have to be there sitting at your computer, walking across the room. Mm -hmm. or you're being a background actor or I pretending get. to be like... So do they teach you, do they tell you, I want you to be typing here and then you go yeah, here? Yeah, yeah. One of the first or second assistant directors will tell you, please do this, please do that. The director is more concerned with the, main the action happening front. So it was... 
I don't think there's any opportunity that's wasted. Um, I learned a lot from that. For instance, I learned that I don't want to be a SAG actor. Not when I can't call the shots over what job I want. Uh -huh. Because I was hanging out with a lot of SAG actors who all their stories are about being a background actor on this film. Being a background actor on this film. Being a background actor on this film. Oh, that time I worked with Don Chido. Oh, that time I worked with Tom Cruise. By worked with, it means Tom Cruise was here. You are, and you were there. And you and don't say a word. Yeah, yeah, don't say a word. Don't even give the oh, word long eye contact. Yeah, Tom Cruise is even more specific. If Tom Cruise, like I, we had, for instance, Tom Cruise, do not try and look that dude in the eye. Do not. Because he's so intense and so focused. So if you're there like, and he meets your eyes and he gets distracted and it's like that dude distracted me again out and then we learned about the various quirks about various actors and sag background actors have lots of stories lots of stories that you get bored with quickly quickly one lady who was um one 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 extra one background actor got on a, on 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 a little role in Lady in the Water, mm -hmm. and she was like, and that was really special for me because I ended up in the trailer, and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I was in the trailer, and I was like, oh cool, I'll go and watch the trailer for Lady in the Water and see where you ended up. Turns out, all you see was her legs from the waist down. And it's blurry in the back, but she's the only human in the frame because they are focusing on something else. And I'm like, boss, that's the, that's the victory. That's what we're getting excited about. One other uh, 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 background actor talked about how she was on The Happening, which also shot in Philly. M. Night Shyamalan always shoots his films in Philly. So Lady in the Water, Philly. The Happening, Philly. And she talked about a certain scene where a lot of people were leaving town because they were afraid for their lives and they were in an open field and nature seemed to be killing people so they were in danger and the wind was blowing. And she talks about how she got to shoot for three or four days and she ended up being very clear and visible in the film. And I'm like, clear and visible? <laughs> I don't want clear and visible. I want to act, man. I don't want to just be seen. So I was like, yeah. This is good, but if another SAG job comes by, I'm not sure. Because after you're SAG eligible, you can only work in SAG jobs so long. At one point, you're like, you can't be on another SAG job anymore. You have to register or not come to work again. So that was that. That was my experience on law-abiding citizen. But funny enough, the trailer came out a few months later. And I was watching it, I was watching it, I was watching it, and I'm like, hold up, go back, play. Ah, uh, hold up, <laughs> that's me. And I ended up on the trailer, and soon I was like, yo, 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 I was on the trailer. <laughs> I became that dude. I became that dude. I was so excited. I was so excited. I'm on the trailer of Love Biting Citizen. Ah. So I did end up in the film, uh, but I end up on the very end of the screen. So depending on if you watch what orientation you watch the film in, I'll either not be in it or You become it. that guy. Yeah, depending. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let me ask you. I had you mention 
Lupita. Okay, no, I, 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 didn't, I, didn't, I didn't hear you mention. I'm asking you about Lupita. Yes. What about us? Did you have a convo? I mean, so first and foremost, just hearing that story about SAG and all of these things, for Lupita to make it to where she is. Miracle. Like, it's in... It's not even a miracle. It's... it's, it's <laughs> for her to enjoy the sort of success that she has, and I'm talking about from the point of view of someone who knows how the industry works, it is hard. And, and I know it because she herself told me how hard it was for her to break in. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. Did you have a convo? I mean, so first and foremost, just hearing that story about SAG and all of these things, for Lupita to make it to where she is. Miracle. Like it's in. It's not even a miracle. It's, it's, it's <laughs> for her to enjoy the sort of success that she has. And I'm talking about from the point of view of someone who knows how the industry works. It is hard. And, and I know it because she herself told me how hard it was for her to break in. And this is when she was living in New York, trying to break into the scene. This was about three years before 12 Years a Slave came along and changed everything. But that's a story for a bit later on. I'll just talk about how the advantage to being an African means that if they're ever looking for Africans, I always got called first. So I was like, there's a gig in this area that's far, like 45 minutes away from Philly where they need uh, an actor who can be a convincing African. Can you do it? I'm like, sure. Or one audition that I thought was really special was for a film called... Oh my God, I've forgotten the name of the film. But the stars of the film were Sean Penn and Naomi Watts, I believe. I've completely forgotten the name of the film. And you are an, a background again? No, this one I was being called to audition for a speaking role. Yo. But I had to get on a bus to go to DC to audition there. And then when I thought that that was like a strange thing, I realized a lot of actors do it. You jump on a bus to travel four hours to show up for an audition. Be in that room for 15 minutes. And you're, and you're, up, you're, 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 you're told you're coming in at 3.15. You come in at 3.20, you're already bad because yeah. you're late. But, but, but after 3.30, 15 minutes are fast, you're disqualified. You can't audition. So I had to make sure I was there on time. I had my lines memorized. I had auditioned and, and rehearsed and rehearsed over and over with Nick. And I was going to audition for the role of a Sierra Leonean taxi driver. And when I was reading that audition notice, I just received a call. I remember we had guests in the house and I received a call from someone saying, hello, am I speaking to Mugambi? And I'm like, yes. Uh, Mugambi, are you available to show up for an audition in DC, Washington DC on this and this date at this and this time? I was like, yes, I am. And they're like, fine. I have your email address, I'm gonna send you the sides. And the sides are the things that you're going to be auditioning from. I want to actually pull them up now. Um, and I was going to be playing the role of a taxi driver, Sierra Leonean taxi driver, and my passenger, who I was going to be having a conversation with, 
Was Sean Penn? Yo. So, dude, I was like, I cannot mess this audition up. I have to, have to, have to, have to. But uh, it's an audition. Okay. It's an audition. Yeah. It can go either way. Mm-hmm. And I ended up not getting it. Um, uh, let me see. I just want to see if I can still find those. If I can still find those uh, sides. So the email subject, <clears throat> fair game audition, taxi driver. If you're available to audition and are available on the shoot dates, please reply to this email with a preferred appointment time, blah, blah, blah. Taxi driver, this fairly jovial taxi driver from Sierra Leone recognizes Joe and insists in cinema on TV. The taxi driver believes that the US is a land of the free and has no corruption, especially compared to his home country. Three speeches and five lines, one scene from Sierra Leone, Africa. And then attached to that is a PDF with a, a tiny bit of the script that shows your start and your end. And I got on the bus, traveled three hours to DC to audition for 15 minutes. And I had just enough money for bus fare. And I said, because I've come to DC and this is my first time here, I'll have a meal in a restaurant and then take the bus back. Didn't get the role, but I was the happiest person in the room just to be considered for this. I could have been in a Sean Penn movie. They ended up casting an actual Sierra Leonean who mm. didn't act very well, but were like, oh, I guess you weren't really looking for an actor. Really. You're looking for some authenticity. And because there's a big Sierra Leonean population, I think uh, this guy was playing the role of a refugee, I think. So they found one and he played the role. Man, that was cool. The other big audition or role that I ended up getting was uh, Preview staging. Preview meaning it was still a very much work in progress um, staging of a Broadway play in the making. To give you an idea of how long it takes for a play to end up on Broadway, I participated in this preview staging for which I got paid, I think, 175 bucks for two days of work. Maybe more. Well, it was about 200 bucks for two days of work. Mm-hmm. And I was playing the role of, again, an African enslaved person who was, 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 uh, the, the play was called Amazing Grace. And it was about the dude who wrote the song Amazing Grace and how he was a former slave owner and somebody suddenly had a change of heart and said, this is wrong. I can't be here claiming to be obeying God and, and, keeping, and keeping slaves. Yeah, so it was something like that. And then I was one of the, this, this dude shows up in North America, North, somewhere in the, in the North, Northern yeah. part and finds a free slave or something and tries to solicit some help from him. And I was playing the role of this, slave person and this I was doing this in 2009 performed for probably three or four hundred people who paid I got paid a good amount of money everyone said the play looked really promising people wanted to take pictures with me it was amazing and I got to play along with 
a lady who had been one of the lead actresses on Phantom of the Opera on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> a dude who played a lead role on Les Miserables on Broadway. So I was with Broadway actors and we were receiving equal billing, playing yeah. the role of this, this Broadway actor. Playing the role of this, this Broadway actor. Playing the role of this, this Broadway actor. And playing the role of Keita, Mugambi Ndeka. <laughs> One, two, three, four. Were the four top build actors. That. And the rest was the ensemble. So at this time, are you feeling, <clears throat> okay, this acting thing is beginning to work in America? Or where are you at? I'm at that point where I want it to work. But the kind of work I'm getting is still not there. So in the middle of all that, when we're still wondering, is this whole thing working? We hear that there's uh, an African film festival at the Lincoln Theater. And myself and Nick and Monica get onto a bus, a China bus, and make our way to New York City. And go to the Lincoln Theater. And we're going to watch Judy Kibinge's film, Killer Necklace, and a film called In My Jeans. That was a, a student project of a Kenyan uh, filmmaking student called Lupita Nyong'o. <laughs> so he watched in my jeans and it was really cool and Lupita was standing outside and she was going up to her and saying congratulations, congratulations, that was amazing. It was a pretty good documentary and at this time you already know Lupita. about people living with albinism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lupita was already pretty famous here. She was a actor at Phoenix. Um, she had won a beauty contest. I can't remember which one. It was a beauty contest. I can't remember what it was. Miss Tourism, something like that. Maybe it was Miss Tourism, I can't remember. But she was already pretty famous by this point. Had you met her before? Um, I don't think so. But then you knew, of course, of Lupita. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then, of course, now there's camaraderie because we are Kenyans who are living in Philly mm-hmm. who've come to watch a documentary. Yeah. So we said hi, we talked a little bit, and it was just me and her. I asked her, yo, okay, so listen, I know you're trying to get your acting career started here. I know you joined the Yale School of Drama. I've heard about that. I think she'd shot sugar by this point. Mm-hmm. But she was still trying to make her, her way into the American market. And I was like, yo, Lupita, man, yo, I need, you know, tell me, how is it going for you here? Because it's hard in Philly. And she said, it's not easier here. And I'm like, why? She said, it's simple. My accent, her Kenyan accent, color of her skin, that's it. And I'm a woman. There would be that as well, but you know, a female, female, female roles. She doesn't even get to the point where being a, a, a woman female, means you're yes, disadvantaged. Yeah. You know, we haven't even gotten to that point where we can <laughs> feel the inequality yet. We're yeah. just at the very bottom. So we had a sort of moment of, yeah, yeah. We hope it works out. And then I was like, Yo, Monica, could you please take a picture of Peter and I? This was way before she became famous, so unfortunately the hard disk that she had that picture stored on crashed and I don't have a TBT of me posing with Lupita, with Lupita telling me how hard it is to break into the industry. But she had just joined Yale, she had just joined Yale and she had her Yale friends there, also there showing up to support her film and the rest is history. After that summer rolled around. And then I got a job, and this was now a job, proper, proper job. Uh, it still involved acting, but at least I had regular hours. I had a shift, I had a contract, I was paying a little bit of tax. 
and I was receiving a weekly paycheck, which was good. Mm-hmm. And my story was telling stories to tourists about America's history. There was a company called Historic Philadelphia that started working in the summer. And because Philadelphia is such a meaningful place when it comes to America's history, the Declaration of Independence was yeah. signed there. Um, a lot of the forward movements that happened in America that, you know, independence into a democracy, into Independence Day, all happened in Philly. So over the summer, Philly becomes quite the destination for a lot of people who want to go and see Liberty Bell or want to see uh, the place where the lady who designed the American flag stitched it happened in Philly or the room where they signed the Declaration of Independence. And so Philadelphia is called, there's a bit that's called the historic tourism district. And because the equivalent of Brand Kenya there is really smart, they said, hey, how about we get a bunch of actors to tell stories about America's history? So what you did was that you went for an audition, you went and you went and told a story before the committee, the audition committee, and I went and told a story and they said you have the job. Uh, After you got the job, you went for one week of orientation and training and rehearsals. You were given five stories that were about five pages long and you memorized those stories word for word and told them to tourists showing up at your desk. (laughs) And that was my summer job. You started a park. And someone came by and your park had a number and I'd be like, welcome to desk, uh, to bench number nine. Would you like to hear a story? And if they said yes, if they said no, you'd be like, have a nice day. And if they said yes, like have a seat. And then you stood up and you told them a story. This was With my Kenyan hustle. accent. It was hustle, Kamsa. Wow, wow, In wow, my Kenyan wow, accent, wow. I would tell a story about a dude who escaped and ended up being taken in by a white dude and this white dude realized he can take in more people and this white dude was instrumental slowly by slowly in building the Underground Railroad railroad along with Harriet Tubman. Um, I can't remember the other stories. What cuisine was like. If you are sat on this bench and you got hungry, this is what your street snack would look like. Yeah, 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 yeah. it was pretty cool. It was a nice job. And by the time September rolled around, I still didn't have a job and my paperwork had run out. I was out of status. So I decided to come back home. And cut. <laughs> what? Dude. Anyway, we're going to continue the story from there. But that is just madness. Hmm? Your state's experience is crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> what? crazy man this podcast is part of the edify podcast network edify is a faith inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top christian podcasts today download the edify app for free from the app store or google play or by going to edify.app that's e-d-i-f-i dot app